Section 4 of The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume 2, by Margaret of Navarre. Translated by George Sainsbury. Section 4. First Day, Tale 10, Part 2. This Paulina had heard how Amador had made love at Barcelona and Perpignan, insomuch that he had gained the affection of the highest and most beautiful ladies in the land, especially that of a certain Countess of Palamos, who was esteemed the first for beauty among all the ladies of Spain, and she told him that she greatly pitied him, since, after so much good fortune, he had married such an ugly wife. Amador, who well understood by these words that she had a mind to supply his need, made her the fairest speeches he could devise, seeking to conceal the truth by persuading her of a falsehood. But she, being subtle and experienced in love, was not to be put off with mere words. And feeling sure that his heart was not to be satisfied with such love as she could give him, she suspected he wished to make her serve as a cloak, and so kept close watch upon his eyes. These, however, knew so well how to dissemble, that she had nothing to guide her but the barest suspicion. Nevertheless, her observations sorely troubled Amador, for Florida, who was ignorant of all these wiles, often spoke to him before Paulina in such a familiar fashion that he had to make wondrous efforts to compel his eyes to belie his heart. To avoid unpleasant consequences, he one day, while leaning against a window, spoke thus to Florida, "'I pray you, sweetheart, counsel me whether it is better for a man to speak or die.' Florida forthwith replied, I shall always counsel my friends to speak and not to die. There are few words that cannot be mended, but life once lost can never be regained. Will you promise me then, said Amador, that you will not be displeased by what I wish to tell you, nor yet alarmed at it until you have heard me to the end? Say what you will, she replied. If you alarm me, none can reassure me. For two reasons, he then began, I have hitherto been unwilling to tell you of the great affection that I feel for you, First, I wish to prove it to you by long service, and secondly, I feared that you might deem it presumption in me, who am but a simple gentleman, to address myself to one upon whom it is not fitting that I should look, and even though I were of royal station like your own, your heart, in its loyalty, would suffer none save the son of the Infante of Fortune, who has won it, to speak to you of love. But just as in a great war necessity compels men to devastate their own possessions and to destroy their corn and the blade, that the enemy may derive no profit therefrom, so do I risk anticipating the fruit which I had hoped to gather in season, lest your enemies and mine profit by it to your detriment. Know, then, that from your earliest youth I have devoted myself to your service, and have ever striven to win your favor. For this purpose alone I married her whom I thought you loved best, and, being acquainted with the love you bear to the son of the Infante of Fortune, I have striven to serve him and consort with him, as you yourself know. I have sought with all my power for everything that I thought could give you pleasure, you see that I have won the esteem of your mother, the countess, and of your brother, the count, and of all you love, so that I am regarded here not as a dependent, but as one of the family. All my efforts for five years past have had no other end than that I might spend my whole life near you. Understand that I am not one of those who would by these means seek to obtain from you any favor or pleasure otherwise than virtuous. I know that I cannot marry you, and even if I could, I would not do so in the face of the love you bear him whom I would fain see your husband. And as for loving you with a vicious love, like those who hope that long service will bring them a reward to the dishonor of a lady, that is far from my purpose. 
I would rather see you dead than know that you were less worthy of being loved, or that your virtue had diminished for the sake of any pleasure to me. For the end and reward of my service I ask but one thing, namely, that you will be so faithful a mistress to me as never to take your favor from me, and that you will suffer me to continue as I now am, trusting in me more than in any other, and accepting from me the assurance that if for your honor's sake, or for aught concerning you, you ever have need of a gentleman's life, I will gladly place mine at your disposal. You may be sure also that whatever I may do that is honorable and virtuous will be done solely for love of you. If for the sake of ladies less worthy than you I have ever done anything that has been considered of account, be sure that, for a mistress like yourself, my enterprise will so increase that the things I heretofore found impossible will become very easy to me. If, however, you will not accept me as wholly yours, I am resolved to lay aside my arms and to renounce the valor which has failed to help me in my need. So I pray you, grant me my just request, for your honor and conscience cannot refuse it. The maiden, hearing these unwanted words, began to change color and to cast down her eyes like a woman in alarm. However, being sensible and discreet, she replied, Since you already have what you ask of me, Amador, why make me such a long harangue? I fear me lest beneath your honorable words there be some hidden guile to deceive my ignorance and youth, and I am sorely perplexed what to reply. Were I to refuse the honorable love you offer, I should do contrary to what I have hitherto done, for I have always trusted you more than any other man in the world. Neither my conscience nor my honor oppose your request, nor yet the love I bear the son of the Infante of Fortune, for that is founded on marriage, to which you do not aspire. I know of nothing that should hinder me from answering you according to your desire, if it not be a fear arising from the small need you have for talking to me in this wise. For if what you ask is already yours, why speak of it so ardently? Amador, who was at no loss for an answer, then said to her, Madam, you speak very discreetly, and you honor me so greatly by the trust which you say you have in me, that if I were not satisfied with such good fortune, I should be quite unworthy of it. But consider, madam, that he who would build an edifice to last forever must be careful to have a sure and stable foundation. In the same way I, wishing to continue forever in your service, must not only take care to have the means of remaining near to you, but also to prevent any one from knowing of the great affection that I bear you. Although it is honorable enough to be everywhere proclaimed, yet those who know nothing of lovers' hearts often judge contrary to the truth, and thence come reports as mischievous as though they were true. I have been prompted to say this, and led to declare my love to you, because Paulina, feeling in her heart that I cannot love her, holds me in suspicion and does not but watch my face wherever I may be. Hence, when you come and speak to me so familiarly in her presence, I am in great fear lest I should make some sign on which she may ground her judgment, and should so fall into that which I am anxious to avoid. For this reason I am led to entreat you not to come and speak to me so suddenly before her or before others, whom you know to be equally malicious. For I would rather die than have any living creature know the truth. Were I not so regardful of your honor, I should not have sought this converse with you, for I hold myself sufficiently happy in the love and trust you bear me, and I ask nothing more save that they may continue. Florida, who could not have been better pleased, began to be sensible of an unwanted feeling in her heart. She saw how honorable were the reasons which he laid before her, and she told him that virtue and honor replied for her, and that she granted him his request. Amador's joy at this no true lover can doubt. Florida, however, gave more heed to his counsel than he desired, for she became timid not only in the presence of Paulina but elsewhere, and ceased to seek him out, as she had been accustomed to do. While they were thus separated, she took Amador's constant converse with Paulina in bad part, for, seeing that the latter was beautiful, she could not believe that Amador did not love her. To beguile her sorrow, she conversed continually with Aventurada, 
who was beginning to feel very jealous of her husband and Paulina, and often complained of them to Florida, who comforted her as well as she could, being herself smitten with the same disease. Amador soon perceived the change in Florida's demeanor, and forthwith thought that she was keeping aloof from him not merely by his own advice, but also on account of some bitter fancies of her own. One day, when they were coming from Vespers at a monastery, he spoke to her and asked, "'What countenance is this you show me, madam?' "'That which I believe you desire,' replied Florida. Thereupon, suspecting the truth and desiring to know whether he was right, he said to her, "'I have used my time so well, madam, that Paulina no longer has any suspicion of you.' "'You could not do better,' she replied, "'both for yourself and for me. While giving pleasure to yourself, you bring me honor.' Amador gathered from this speech that she believed he took pleasure in conversing with Paulina, and so great was his despair that he could not refrain from saying angrily to her, "'In truth, madam, you begin betimes to torment your lover and pelt him with hard words. I do not think I ever had a more irksome task than to be obliged to hold converse with a lady I do not love. But since you take what I have done to serve you in bad part, I will never speak to her again, happen what may. And that I may hide my wrath as I have hidden my joy, I will betake me to some place in the neighborhood, and there wait till your caprice has passed away. I hope, however, I shall there receive tidings from my captain and be called back to the war.' where I will remain long enough to show you that nothing but yourself has kept me here. So saying, he forthwith departed without waiting for her reply. Florida felt the greatest vexation and sorrow imaginable, and love, meeting with opposition, began to put forth its mighty strength. She perceived that she had been in the wrong, and wrote continually to Amador entreating him to return, which he did after a few days when his anger had abated. I cannot undertake to tell you minutely all that they said to each other in order to destroy this jealousy. But at all events he won the victory, and she promised him that not only would she never believe he loved Paulina, but that she would ever be convinced he found it an intolerable martyrdom to speak either to Paulina or to anyone else except to do herself a service. When love had conquered this first suspicion, and while the two lovers were beginning to take fresh pleasure in conversing together, news came that the King of Spain was sending all his army to Salses. Amador, accustomed ever to be the first in battle, failed not to seize this opportunity of winning renown but in truth he set forth with unwanted regret, both on account of the pleasure he was losing and because he feared that he might find a change on his return. He knew that Florida, who was now fifteen or sixteen years old, was sought in marriage by many great princes and lords, and he reflected that if she were married during his absence he might have no further opportunity of seeing her, unless, indeed, the Countess of Aranda gave her his wife, Avanturada, as a companion. However, by skilful management with his friends, he obtained a promise from both mother and daughter that wherever Florida might go after her marriage, thither should his wife, Avanturada, accompany her. Although it was proposed to marry Florida in Portugal, it was nevertheless resolved that Avanturada should never leave her. With this assurance, yet not without unspeakable regret, Amador went away and left his wife with the countess. When Florida found herself alone after his departure, she set about doing such good and virtuous works as she hoped might win her the reputation that belongs to the most perfect women, and might prove her to be worthy of such a lover as Amador. He, having arrived at Barcelona, was there welcomed by the ladies as of old. But they found a greater change in him than they believed it possible for marriage to effect in any man. He seemed to be vexed by the sight of things he had formerly desired, and even the Countess of Palamos, whom he had loved exceedingly, could not persuade him to visit her. Amador remained at Barcelona as short a time as possible, for he was impatient to reach Salces, where he alone was now awaited. When he arrived, there began between the two kings that great and cruel war which I do not purpose to describe. Neither will I recount the noble deeds that were done by Amador, for then my story would take up an entire day. But you must know that he won renown far above all his comrades. The Duke of Najera, 
having arrived at perpignan in command of two thousand men requested amador to be his lieutenant and so well did amador fulfil his duty with this band that in every skirmish the only cry was najera now it came to pass that the king of tunis who for a long time had been at war with the spaniards heard that the kings of france and spain were warring with each other on the frontiers of perpignan and narbonne and bethought himself that he could have no better opportunity of vexing the king of spain accordingly he sent a great number of light galleys and other vessels to plunder and destroy all such badly guarded places as they could find on the coasts of spain the people of barcelona seeing a great fleet passing in front of their town sent word of the matter to the viceroy who was at salces and he forthwith dispatched the duke of najera to palamos when the moors saw that place so well guarded they made a feint of passing on but returning at midnight they landed a large number of men and the duke of najera being surprised by the enemy was taken prisoner amador who was on the alert and heard the din forthwith assembled as many of his men as possible and defended himself so stoutly that the enemy in spite of their numbers were for a long time unable to prevail against him but at last hearing that the duke of najera was taken and that the turks had resolved to set fire to palamos and burn him in the house which he was holding against them he thought it better to yield than to cause the destruction of the brave men who were with him he also hoped that by paying a ransom he might yet see florida again accordingly he gave himself up to a turk named dorlin a governor of the king of tunis who brought him to his master by the latter he was well received and still better guarded for the king deemed that in him he held the achilles of all the spains thus amador continued for two years in the service of the king of tunis the news of the captures having reached spain the kinsfolk of the duke of najera were in great sorrow but those who held the country's honour dear deemed amador the greater loss the rumour came to the house of the countess of aranda where the hapless aventurada at that time lay grievously sick the countess who had great misgivings as to the affection which amador bore to her daughter though she suffered it and concealed it for the sake of the merit she perceived in him took florida apart and told her the mournful tidings florida who was well able to dissemble replied that it was a great loss to the entire household and that above all she pitied his poor wife who herself was so ill nevertheless seeing that her mother wept exceedingly she shed a few tears to bear her company for she feared that if she dissembled too far the faint might be discovered from that time the countess often spoke to her of amador but never could she surprise a look to guide her judgment i will pass over the pilgrimages prayers supplications and fasts which florida regularly performed to ensure the safety of amador as soon as he had arrived at tunis he failed not to send tidings of himself to his friends and by a trusty messenger he apprised florida that he was in good health and had hopes of seeing her again this was the only consolation the poor lady had in her grief and you may be sure that since she was permitted to write she did so with all diligence so that amador had no lack of her letters to comfort him the countess of aranda was about this time commanded to repair to saragossa where the king had arrived and here she found the young duke of cardona who so pressed the king and queen that they begged the countess to give him her daughter in marriage the countess consented for she was unwilling to disobey them in anything and moreover she considered that her daughter being so young could have no will of her own when all was settled she told florida that she had chosen for her the match which seemed most suitable florida knowing that when a thing is once done there is small room for counsel replied that god was to be praised for all things and finding her mother look coldly upon her she sought rather to obey than to take pity on herself it scarcely comforted her in her sorrows to learn that the son of the infante of fortune was sick even to death but never either in presence of her mother or of any one else did she show any sign of grief so strongly did she constrain herself that her tears driven perforce back into her heart 
caused so great a loss of blood from the nose that her life was endangered, and that she might be restored to health, she was given in marriage to one whom she would willingly have exchanged for death. End of section 4